Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. I am your host, and I'm happy to invite you to our birthday party. It's been one year ago. On July 30th, 2014, we hosted Jim Mazo, CEO of AccuFocus and OIS moderator extraordinaire. Uh, Jim sort of opened things up of this, uh, this weekly conversation we've had with the leading entrepreneurs, executives, investors, physicians, and other influencers of the ophthalmology sector. We've been happy to have each and every one of you here, and we look forward to continuing, continuing this series of conversations going forward. Today, we're going to just take a quick look back, though. Uh, last week, I presented my favorite conversation, which was with Mark Blumenkrantz. Uh, I thought that was uh, an insightful uh, look into the innovative process. This week, we're going to let you decide. We've uh, got our list of the more popular podcasts based upon number of listens. We'll start at 10, work our way down to one, and uh, we'll take excerpts from each conversation to, uh, to give you a reminder of, uh, of some of the exceptional wisdom and information that's been imparted by our guests. So without any further delay, let's get started. This week, we'll cover the most popular podcasts, starting at number 10. We'll work our way down to number six, and then next week, we'll finish up with the final five. This first conversation actually involved two guests, uh, Tom Frenzy, who had been president and CEO of WaveTech, and Robert Warner, uh, region president for Alcon, joined the podcast to discuss Alcon's decision to acquire WaveTech. Tom Frenzy was gracious enough to uh, reveal the deal or announce the deal at our October OIS, and the two men joined me a few months later to explain uh, how everything came together. One unique aspect of the acquisition was that the two collaborated on creating a clinical trial in the area of astigmatism management. And uh, Rob Warner said that it was a really big turning point for Alcon to have the opportunity to see WaveTech work. Let's listen in to how the clinical trial factored into the acquisition. Is that an unusually high hoop or, or a small hoop? I'm not sure how one talks about the, the size of a hoop, but to, to, to jump through to get uh, a working relationship going, to, to, to partner up on a, on a trial like that, and I guess take sort of a leap of faith, as you noted, that you know we believe this works, we're happy to test it with you, and, and let the results tell the story. Well, maybe I'd, I'd jump in and say it, it is a hurdle, and... Uh, you know, just having done this a few times, not everyone is willing to do it. But uh, it really shows unequivocal confidence in the technology. And to the extent that we both understood this was a good study, it was good science, I think it was a win-win because, one, it made a strategic much more comfortable doing the transaction. And even if we were not to do the transaction, I think it's very, very valuable for the uh, uh the uh, potential uh, uh, target company to have that level of robust data. I think the data speaks for itself, and it's sort of the approach that we take at Alcon, that if the underlying science is strong, it makes everything much, much easier. But I don't know, was, was it a big hoop, Tom? 
No, I, I think you're right. I mean, we were confident uh, that the technology would deliver on the endpoints that we mutually agreed to. Um, so, you know, we felt it was uh, a reasonable step to take, um, and it gave both parties the opportunity, uh, you know, to to uh, work together uh, to a certain degree, uh, get to know one another a little bit, and then uh, if the end results were going to be there, uh, then we had a basis uh, for a more meaningful discussion. So, um, you know, it, it, going through it, you never want to have to take these additional steps, but in hindsight, I think it worked out best for both parties. Alcon had the data to launch globally uh, this technology, and, and we certainly had the satisfaction of knowing uh, that the technology was truly making a difference in the marketplace. Our next guest literally needs no introduction to the OIS community. It's Emmett Cunningham, co-chair and founder of OIS and partner at Claris. Emmett's uh, podcast, when he joined us in late December, comes in at number nine. And uh, Emmett was kind enough to join me to give his outlook on uh, 2015. He gave many great insights, but one of them centered around the forecast for M&A in 2015. Specifically, Emmett uh, gave his thoughts about the future of Allergan, which was in the process of being acquired by activists. As we saw from the news this week surrounding Allergan, uh, the company is set to be a force in ophthalmology going forward. And uh, please bear with me at the time I was uh, suffering from a bit of a holiday cold. Let's listen in. Uh, the M&A market was interesting to watch uh, with the pursuit of Allergan and, and the WaveTech story ended well. Uh, Tom Frenzy, who will be a guest on the podcast in a couple of weeks, had some nice things to say about uh, OIS and its role in that company's turnaround. As a venture investor, any thoughts on what consolidation means for uh, for ophthalmology going forward? Is this a, a concern or just sort of a part of the cycle of life? Well, well, first I would say Tom's kind, and it, it's nice It's nice to hear that he thinks uh, OIS gave him a platform to um, say what needed to be said about the company. It's nice to hear that, so I thank him for that. Um, I, I think consolidation is what it always has been. It's just part of the cycle of the business. Um, sometimes we worry when companies acquire other companies and they state openly or not so openly that they are, for example, not interested in innovation or that they um, are looking mostly at revenue. But I'm not sure that is the case in the Argan acquisition. I hope it's not the case. I hope the company continues to be outward-looking and, uh, and innovative. Um, and I, I know Aragon, the Argan folk hope that that's the case. Mm -hmm. The dry ice space continued to catch fire in 2014 and 2015. That no doubt helps explain how this next podcast made it to the most listened list. Tim Willis, CEO of Tier Science, joined me to discuss the emergence of dry eye as a chronic problem that ophthalmologists are looking to treat and explaining how companies like Tier Science are introducing products that are giving them the tools necessary to give patients relief. You started Tier Science in 2005, so nine years ago, close to 10 years ago. Did the company story and did the dry eye story play out as you anticipated it would? Well, you know, when we first, when I first started the company back in September of 2005, uh, our entire focus was on the treatment side. What we found that <laughs> we had two, I had three, I had two worries going in, or two concerns, not worries, two concerns going into it. 
The first was, would the treatment be effective? And the second phase was, is would the industry, and especially the top physicians and researchers be believe that evaporative dry eye or a meibomian gland dysfunction is where everything's going? Well, the second one has played out over time extreme. I don't think we could have done that any better. And we've been, as I call it, part of a change agent there. But the entire industry is because everyone was looking for a, a way to better treat dry eye. If you think about it, Tom, when we did our clinical study uh, for the FDA, we did an evaluation of all the clinical studies that were out there. Thirty. Three had failed. Hmm. Wow. Okay, 33 had failed when we did ours, and I told my VP of Clen Reg, no pressure. <laughs> I'm sure he, I'm sure he and thought so, that. And, and we were, but we, we knew what we were doing. The second, but to go back to your question, the second component of it, it became very obvious that we had to do two things. One was we had to develop from scratch a clinical metric that could be consistent, repeatable, and reproducible. And what we did, and therefore that's why we developed the core of MGE, and we call that MGYLS, meibomian glands yielding liquid secretion. So we developed that, the FDA recognized it, and now we know others who are actually using it, and there's been probably 20 papers published around that because there's now a clinical sign with that, that directly correlates to a symptoms. That was, if you'll think about dry eye, there was always this difficulty of correlation between signs and symptoms. In all of our studies, almost 40 IRB studies, an FDA study, a duration study, we show, without a shadow of a doubt, signs and symptoms correlate with what we're doing. We're going to go way, way back with this next podcast. You'll be able to tell that we really uh, opened up the wallet to buy some better audio equipment uh, for our OIS podcast series. This conversation with Bill Link doesn't sound the best, but the OIS co-chair and the general partner at Versant Ventures certainly delivered the uh, content and the quality. At the time, this was last summer, Versant was just closing on its most recent fund. Uh, Bill shared how Versant would be investing that fund in and outside of ophthalmology. And then toward the end of the conversation, he offered a bit of advice to entrepreneurs and investors. What, what advice do you have for ophthalmologists that, that want to start a company uh, in today's market or, or want to have an idea they want to reach out to someone like yourself about? Well, it's, you know, again, we try to be um, um, open-minded and have, have easy access to us, uh, but we're all busy, of course. I always uh, give feedback to uh, inventors, uh, whether they're ophthalmologists or non-physician inventors, protect your idea first. Mm -hmm. Okay, be careful. Document it. Possibly file uh, for a patent. Get some good advice on protecting your idea. Then disclose it to and with somebody that you trust. Maybe it's a you know a business person that you know as as a friend or you reach out to someone in the community that's more formally involved, such as Versant or one of the you know, credible um, either private or public companies in the ophthalmic space. But take care of protecting your idea first. Think about who a good partner would be. Uh, trust your gut because you, you want to enter into discussions and potentially a business relationship with people that you trust. 
And this next guest certainly should be listened to. Dick Lindstrom, who was awarded our Ophthalmology Innovator Award at OIS in San Diego, joined us early on in the podcast series. I think he was number five. Uh, Bill Link was number two. And you'll also, you'll see that, or you'll hear that we had an upgrade uh, in microphones at the time. But he uh, shared his exceptional thoughts and his insights on the future of ophthalmology. Uh, The conversation was fairly far-ranging. We covered technologies, uh, pressures on physicians from the FDA, from ACA. But the highlight of the conversation, at least I thought, focused on how technology will help deliver eye care in the future and why it's necessary for ophthalmologists and for industry to work together to create new treatments for eye patients. Can, can new technology, some of those that are coming down the pike, can that help uh, lessen that load, lighten that load a bit, or does it actually increase it because you're treating more people who perhaps wasn't, weren't treated before? Well, I think new technology is and innovation, arguably, are the only way we can meet uh, we can meet the challenge. And uh, just to give you a short example, imagine what it would be like today trying to do 3.6 million cataracts a year. In America, if we were doing intracapsular cataract extraction in a hospital mm-hmm. uh, and fitting patients with aphakic spectacles or contact lenses, uh, and and I, I started my career uh, at that stage, and when I was on the faculty at the University of Minnesota, we did four procedures a day uh, in the operating room, and uh, uh, in a lot of settings, uh, you know, uh, you could get as high as six uh, or perhaps eight. But you know, nowadays with we'll two or three procedures an hour, based on advances in technology, generating a, a far superior outcome with a much less uh, a demanding post-operative course. And so, uh, the only thing that's allowed us to provide the visual rehabilitation we do for the patient burdened with cataract today is is through extraordinary innovation. And so, uh, I think it's going to be the same uh, uh, for uh, all the other challenges we face going forward. Uh, whether it be glaucoma or uh, uh, age-related uh, retinal disease, uh, the only thing that's going to allow us to manage the challenge is going to be innovation. And so, so here we have a situation where there's pressure on on uh, the ability of people uh, and desire of people to invest in innovation. Uh, you know, coming up against uh, a situation where uh, we absolutely, essentially, must continue to innovate uh, if we want to continue to provide the high quality. Uh, lifestyle and care for our fellow citizens. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Well, thank you for listening to numbers 10 through 6 of the top 10 Listen to OIS podcasts. We'll move into the top 5 next week. Uh, We'll hear, obviously, from some great names, some uh, influential folks in the ophthalmology industry, including one repeat person. Yes, that's right. One person appeared in the top 10 list more than once. So please tune in next week for those tales of innovation. And remember, if you'd like to be in the podcast, email me at tom at healthogy.com. Healthogy is spelled like the word health with E-G-Y at the end. And if you would like to have your story told at OIS, if you're a company and you want to present your story, go to ois.net. Fill out the forms you need to fill out, and we hope to see you in Las Vegas.
OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application.